Welcome in to everybody now on the network. We are glad you are with us. We are broadcasting live. We are in La Crosse today, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Tonight we got the Bill Michaels Huddle coming up 6 to 8 this evening, and we are going to be live over at Flipside Pub and Grill if you're, uh, you finally dug out of every – although out here, I don't know what the final snow total was. It wasn't terrible. Uh, driving around this morning and uh, walking the sidewalks this morning, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like it was 10 to 12 inches of snow. It was 3, 4, 5, something like that, but it, it wasn't terrible. And uh, so finally you're, you're dug out. You know, I know it's going to get cold, and you're figuring you might want to get out and get something to eat tonight, uh, maybe a good warm soup and a couple of beverages. Come on out to Flipside Pub and Grill. We're going to be there tonight, 6 to 8, for the Bill Michaels Huddle, the final one on the road this season, as a matter of fact. So really looking forward to uh, one more time the encore performance tonight. Out at uh, Flipside. Good to have you on board. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to uh, chime in, you can. The phone lines are open because I've got a question. If you're just kind of, you know, kind of tuning in on the network, uh, the reevaluation. We went through a portion of the season where it started off fast for the Packers. Then it kind of took a downturn. And we started to question the personnel. We, started to que- we certainly questioned Matt LaFleur. And then towards the end of the season, when the team was playing some good football, the defense was starting to falter, and uh, the Joe Barry defense was rearing its ugly head. And we then had to evaluate Matt LaFleur's obstinance to hang on to Joe Barry, and then could Matt LaFleur suddenly find himself on the hot seat? And then, you know, things seemingly started to maybe break apart, and uh, the question was, is he losing the team? And, and I think it was all uh, there was a lot of stuff that was very legitimate there you know, to ask outside looking in. And um, when you ask the people that were inside that locker room, they said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think it's happening. I don't think that's, that's what's going on here. I think it's more some, uh, some disconnect and communication de- via the defense than it is just the overall team starting to crack apart. So, uh, you know, you get into that discussion and you're thinking, well, this team's on the outside looking in when it comes to the postseason. They need three straight wins to find themselves in, in you know, to go to the playoffs, and ah, I don't think it's going to happen. And they kind of, you know, peed away some opportunities, and then they regroup. And lo and behold, here we are. We're sitting here on a Wednesday. The Packers are getting back in the practice field today. It's uh, the technically week 19 when a lot of teams are at home, packed up. They're cleaned out the lockers, and coaches are being fired. And in the meantime, Matt LaFleur's got his guys uh, rallied, ready to go, maybe getting a little bit healthy, going down to Dallas to face – Mike McCarthy and uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So now you got to reevaluate because you have to be honest. You know, um, it's not wavering. Some people say, "Wow, it's wishy-washy." I'm a fan, regardless. That, that's fine. Okay, you can wear the green and gold glasses, but you have to look at things in a reality and in a vacuum. And at the time, you started to see things. You never make a final determination until you feel things have just gotten way too far out of hand or the end of the season comes and the evaluation process, the honest evaluation process begins. So midseason and and towards the three, you know, two-thirds of the season had gone by, we said, you know, I don't don't know if this is going to be Matt LaFleur's gig, you know, to take it all forward. So – and then you question, you know, if you let Joe Barry go, do you bring in another defensive coordinator who, God forbid, things go wrong, and then Matt LaFleur gets canned, and you've got a defensive coordinator who just showed up only to be fired or let go uh, a year later if he doesn't jive with the new head coach, and on and on and on. But I think every time you started to have Matt LaFleur stare into the abyss, he's pulled himself out of it. 
And that, there's something to be said for that. There really is. Um, you, you look at you, – and I hate to compare him to the machismo guy that is Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin's done this numerous times where he's always had a question about whether or not he was going to be the next head – or the, the continue to be the head coach or they were going to have to go out and find the next head coach. And, you know, Mike Tomlin just – he kind of schluffs it off, says we'll persevere. All we can concentrate on and, and, and control is what we can control and move forward. And lo and behold, they win. And maybe winning is the ultimate deodorant, but they win not in spite of, but because of. And I think the Packers, especially down the stretch, won because of. Because that certainly seemed like that thing was a powder keg ready to blow, didn't it? We talked about it. Um, Mike Clemens and I talked about it. Guests have talked about it. National guests have come on and said, you know, from the outside looking in, yeah, this looks like it's like he's losing the locker room. And now you you got guys that are, you know, all in. You're, you're listening to guys talk about how much they love playing together and the camaraderie and, and such. And I, I, I think, you know, at least me personally, I, I got to look at Matt LaFleur and go, man, that, that was a hell of a job to figure things out. Uh, and whatever you did to, you know, kick the spurs into the side of Joe Barry to get him to come off of the uh, traditional defense that they had been playing, whatever happened behind closed doors, it was for the better. And you got to give him credit for that. I think these players deserve a lot of credit too, Bill. Like Matt LaFleur kept yeah. the team together, yes. But how often have we seen, look at the Steelers, right, with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. When the offense isn't going their way, they start calling out the O.C., Right, They start calling out the quarterback, and I think all these young wide receivers, and Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur mentioned, he's made of the right stuff. They took ownership of the problem, too. It, they didn't mm -hmm. just pass it along and act like it was coaching or it was play calling. So I think the players deserve a ton of credit. These guys are 22-23, and they handled that slump in October with a lot of maturity. Yeah, I I agree. I you know I think Matt did a couple of things right. One, whatever he did behind closed doors with Joe Barry worked. But I think he might have relied upon the veterans. Reli you know, because the D Devondre Campbell, when you had Rasul Douglas speak out, and then he was traded. And then Devondre Campbell comes back, and then he speaks out. And then Devondre Campbell's wife is on Twitter saying they can't wait for the season to be over. And then you've got Jair taking it upon himself to become a captain. And and who knows? Maybe it was Goody. Maybe it was Goody that came down and said, okay, enough, enough. You know, the, the inmates don't run the asylum. And we're suspending Jair. That's it. I'm done with the crap. You know, who knows? Maybe there's something else that happened there. I, I, I could be way off base. But you still, for the guy that is, is the one that would either be fired or take the fall or, or get some of the praise, you got to give Matt LaFleur some of the praise for just kind of keeping it all together. But I look at guys like Aaron Jones. When I saw the skirmishes break out in that game against the Bears, and each time something, the pushing and shoving started or guys started to, you know, really kind of tackle on guys, the first guy in there was Aaron Jones. And I'm thinking to myself, get out of there, don't get hurt, don't get banged up. And he was the first guy sticking his head in there. He was the guy that was the leader. He was not going to allow Jordan Love to be a part of that because you know you got to protect the quarterback. But he was one of those guys. And then you look at a guy and you listen to Kenny Clark, you listen to Devontae Wyatt, and then you listen to Quay Walker saying, Joe's letting us play. And you go, oh, okay. So maybe that's what it was. It was just a matter of let him go. 
just let, let them let them use their instincts because I think Quay Walker's got a lot of a lot of upside that that potential has not been even close to being tapped yet. And I know he takes a lot of heat because he makes a lot of tackles downfield, but you just watch where they have him playing. And when you're, you know, covering, you know, wide out slot receivers and tight ends and you're downfield, but yet you're still making the tackle, you, you don't get penalized for that, you know, because you're covering a guy downfield. So I, I just I, – I look at it, what some of these guys have said, and, I mean, I'm not – I'm not, you know, going off the deep end and, and giving Matt LaFleur, a, you know, the full, you know, seal of approval, so to speak. But from where we were four weeks ago, five weeks ago to where we are today, you got to give him credit. And people don't want to do that. But we would, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't. You know, same thing with Jordan Love. I mean, I said all along, I didn't think Jordan Love was going to be the guy. This year he's proven to be the guy. You know, I was wrong there. And, and so this is one of those, I don't know if it's kind of a festivist day where you air the grievances or maybe you just air the erroneous grievances. But that, that's kind of what got me thinking last night when I was at dinner and, and, uh, and I was asked, you know, hey, what do you think of Matt LaFleur now versus what you thought of him four, five, six weeks ago? And I, that got me thinking because we haven't given him enough credit for kind of keeping this thing together without allowing it to blow apart. 877-867-1670, If you want to give us a shout, please feel free. I, I want to know your opinion. I want to know your opinion. Also, also, over on X, known as Twitter, if you want to find us there, you can. Uh, but uh, we got a poll question out today. Got a poll question out today. And the poll question is this. If the Packers do lose to the Dallas Cowboys, who do you think will be blamed? Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry, Jordan Love, or other, other, meaning it could be just a couple of turnovers. It could be just that the Cowboys are better. It could be, you know, that maybe the offense just doesn't get it going, whatever. Uh, but 84.5% of you say it's going to be Joe Barry. If anything happens, it's going to be the defense. Uh, other at 10.2%, Jordan Love 1.8%, and then Matt LaFleur at 3.5%. So there you go. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, coming up a little bit later on in the hour, Brad Spielberger, uh, Pro Football Focus. Um, we're going to talk with him. He, by the way, covers the Bears as well. And we're we're going to talk with him about this past game. And for those that didn't know, uh, the Bears have announced today they're keeping Matt Eberflus, but Luke Getze and some of the offensive coaches are gone. They are being fired. So... Uh, we're going to get into all of that. And then once again this week, Jordan Love, the NFC Player of the Week. Back-to-back weeks for Jordan Love to end the season in the NFC. Back-to-back NFC Player of the Week. So uh, that's that's some, uh, some, some good stuff, some high praise for Jordan Love as his season culminates on two high notes. And you hope it doesn't end. But I want to see now, moving forward, uh, how they do. In this game, this pressure-packed game, an intensity-filled game coming up on Sunday, this is this is what it's all about. This is what you want this young team to experience. And even though you've got guys on this team that have experienced the postseason, uh, a lot of guys, specifically the younger guys, have not. So I, I, I really, uh, I really want to get into all of that too. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. But the phone lines are open. I want to know what your assessment of Matt Lafleur is. 
I want you to, to, to look for everybody that criticized. I want you to, and I'm not saying, I'm not pointing fingers because I did too. So I'm, you know, I'm just kind of looking at it in a realistic light. But for everybody that, that criticized, I want you to kind of look in yourself now and say, okay, now what? For uh, a team that we thought may not make it to the postseason, they did make it to the postseason. So now what? 877-867-1670. Uh, Tom says, did you hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say uh, about Jordan Love and his performance? Uh, basically ripping all the critics. You know, Tom, um, I did, and appreciate the email, I did. And I got to be honest, I don't give two dams. Aaron Rodgers is on the scorched earth tour to try to point the finger at everybody else for everybody saying something about him. And then when he criti- he he has become one of the most hypocritical people I, I've I've ever listened to. I, I he's like a shell of what he used to be. And I don't know. I don't know if it's money or arrogance or so many people kissing his ass. I have no idea. He is a tremendous was a tremendous quarterback. Um, I think with all the talent in the world and all the accolades that have been heaped upon him, he one hundred and ten percent deserves, absolutely. But to keep pounding on the same thing over and over again. You know, when he doesn't want anybody to talk about his faults and the things that he misled people about or what he's done, he's turned into nothing more than just the most ginormous hypocrite there there is. And I, I really I, – I was saying this last night at dinner. It almost brings up like a PTSD thing, and I, I hate to diminish it that way because I'm – and I'm sorry to those that actually suffer from this, but when we had all the drama going on around Aaron Rodgers – for years and years in this organization and on these airwaves. You dealt with it, and it, it, it you get caught up. I always call it the tornadic winds. Man, you're in the tornado, and the winds are whipping, and it's a fast and furious pace, and you're talking about it, and everybody's involved in it, and it's water cooler fodder. And every, Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you hear what he said? You know, and, and you're running back and forth from the air to, to listen to what he has to say to the air, to, you know, and you get caught up in all of that, and it – it's a fast and furious time, and it, don't get me wrong, it's great for this business. It's great for, for talk radio. But as a fan of the Packers, it just wears your ass out. And I can now see out, you know, openly on the table what Brian Gutekunst and that front office and Matt LaFleur were dealing with. I, that's, I get it. I get it. You know, I they he wore their ass out. You know, uh, just and, and and we dealt with it for years, for years. It hasn't even been a full year in New York, and they're already killing them. This was uh, a couple of hosts yesterday uh, on the fan uh, on WFAN in New York. Take a listen. What and they haven't even had him for a full year. Take a listen. What they had to say. He's taken four snaps, and all he's done is bring unnecessary, stupid, infantile attention. Shut your mouth, Rogers. Shut up. Shut up. And it's not about defending yourself. It's about being an adult. 
and getting this team out of this hellhole that is that has suffocated them my entire life. He's making it worse. Just move on. But you said what you said. Kimball said what he said. What? Well, where are we going with this? Before he even put on a jet uniform, he was a lightning rod. It's Aaron Rodgers. And in this town, with Aaron Rodgers and the attention that he commands or warrants, whatever word you want to use there, that's just a part of the deal. You signed up for it when the Jets traded for him. If Rodgers took the Jets to the playoffs and he was in, in, embroiled in this thing right now, would you be giving a crap? No, I wouldn't care as much, like but he's not. if the Jets not. had a playoff game Saturday or he's Sunday. He's contributed nothing to the bottom line. Oh, he's changed the morale. Oh, he's changed the culture. My ass, he's changed. They won seven games. Everybody should be fired. And right now, they're, they, they, they literally are a rudderless ship. They've got no direction. So the only time they get attention is when Rodgers goes on the radio and talks about things other than football. But there's an expiration point. Your job is to be a quarterback. There you go. That's their thoughts on Aaron Rodgers. And yesterday, or two days ago, when they did the exit interviews, Rodgers said that all of the people that bring any energy that is in football energy to the building need to get out of the building. And I think everybody in that organization went, what? What? <laughs> you're the only one that brings negative energy from outside of the building into the building. You're the only one that does this. You're the only one that talks each and every week about everything from Fauci to Jimmy Kimmel to Epstein to, to making accusations to getting into battles with ESPN executives. You're the only one doing it. You're, that's what I'm saying. He is such an unbelievable hypocrite. So, And I apologize for going off on the ramp, but for getting back to your question, did I hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say? I don't give a damn what Roger's opinion is anymore because it's all mired in hypocrisy and garbage. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. have you on board today 877-867-1670 877-867-1670 spoke to uh barb up at uh, the four seasons island resort today and uh, they're getting some snow finally i know that a lot of places up north ski hills and such they are uh, they are struggling struggling mightily they got a lot of other stuff they've got dinners they've got special they got uh, al capone's birthday they got uh, different dinner specials wine dinner specials all kinds of things going on at the four seasons island resort so if you are looking Still to go up, even though you may not be taking your sled with you, uh, head on up because they've still got great weekend getaways. You can, uh, even this weekend, go up and enjoy yourself. Go to the uh, the Diamond Room, get yourself a good dinner, go to the lounge, maybe do the, uh, the wine flights or something, and then go downstairs and watch the Green Bay Packers take on the Dallas Cowboys. And then later on, go sit in the hot tub, enjoy the pool, and then head home. That's the Four Seasons Island Resort in Pembine, Wisconsin, on the Muscano Island River. Uh, Muscana River Island, and uh, you can call for a reservation, 715-938-5110, 715-938-5110. And uh, you can use the promo code MICHAELS15, get 15% off your stay. I know there's a lot of people waiting for snow in the Northwoods, man. They want – I was just uh, told yesterday that they got uh, three to five inches up north, uh, maybe a little bit more that had passed through there with the what we got yesterday. 
But even if they got another foot of snow, they're trying to get the pack down and everything so they can get the snowmobile trails open because nothing's open just yet. It's been it's been a snowless snowless winter thus far in resorts and ski hills and such. They're losing tens of thousands of dollars uh, per month without the snow. So, I mean, I, I you know me, I love 85 and sunny every damn day, but they need it up north uh, big time. They need uh, they need that snow, so or at least the cold. So they can continue to make the snow, although this weekend it's going to be uh, dropping down for sure. I think our days of the 40s are over for a while, but uh, but hopefully they get it going again. But if you're going to just want to get away, that's a place to go. 715-938-5110, 715-938-5110. Um, so I, I want you to chime in. It's, it's amazing. When things are bad, people want to rip the hell out of Matt LaFleur. When things are good or you ask for the honest assessment, not a lot of people want to step up and go, you know, because everybody's waiting to see what happens this weekend. But the season has culminated. They got nine wins. They had some bumps in the road. It looked like the thing was going to blow apart. And then down the stretch, they won three straight. The Carolina game wasn't a good optic by any stretch of the imagination for the defense. We all understand that. But give me your assessment of Matt LaFleur this season. Carroll says, uh, at first, I thought LaFleur was in way over his head without Aaron Rodgers. And the way the season moved on, I thought the offense got more creative and Jordan Love got even better. You have to give him credit for the progress that Jordan Love has made. Correct? Question mark. Uh, which, Carol, yes, you do. Uh, I think he's done a fine job. I think he's warranted a couple of more years of our patience. Uh, but I have no more patience for Joe Barry. He has to go. If LaFleur, uh, if LaFleur insists on hanging on to Joe Barry this offseason, then I think LaFleur has to go, too. Carol, I think if I had to give you my honest, and I've said it before, so I'll say it again, my honest opinion is this offseason, at the end of the season, whenever that may be, uh, the next day or two you will hear about Joe Barry being let go, uh, maybe an assistant or two, and then Matt LaFleur will figure out who is going to be the next defensive coordinator and kind of go from there. Um, but that's where it's going to start. Matt LaFleur is not in jeopardy of losing his job. Uh, he has got, uh, for the way things kind of rallied this season, he's got the hall pass right now. I think last year was kind of the, the get-out-of-jail-free card. But this year, for what he's done, and I agree with you, the progress that Jordan Love has made, I don't know how much you attribute to Matt LaFleur in the play calling or you attribute to Tom Clements, but either way, it's certainly been good. And it's warranted that, you know, he keeps his job. Now, I will say, and I'll go back to what you stated, that if he decides that, no, I am not getting rid of Joe Barry, look what Joe did down the stretch, then I would have to say that if Brian Gutekinds doesn't come down out of the office and say, look, if you're going to hang on to Joe, then you're going to hang on to the boat anchor and you're out too, um, then I would I, I would go in that direction. I just think that this defense should not take 15 weeks to figure itself out and to constantly be talking about communication and problems and where guys are supposed to be and changes and such um, – I just I don't believe that. So we've seen a different style of defense. Now, whether that's because they're playing with a lead, they're playing more tenacious, guys are playing, I, I don't know. But we've seen this wash, rinse, repeat before, you know, where it looks bad, it's awful, and then something happens, players go to Joe's, you know, Matt goes to Joe, whatever, and says, hey, you got to start doing this, and then suddenly things start to look good, and then Joe saves his job, and then we go right back into the fire again next year. Can't happen. Got to find somebody new. That that's 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 a given, but I, I give Matt Lafleur a lot of credit for hanging on to this team. 
Uh, by the way, coming up at the bottom of the hour here after the break, we're going to have uh, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, and Over the Cap. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk with him a little bit about the team that he uh, somewhat roots for, that is the Chicago Bears getting rid of Luke Getze, some of the offensive coaches down there as well, and hanging on to Matt Eberflus today. In case you're just tuning us in, that was the breaking news that the Bears did not fire their head coach, but they let go of the offensive group uh, or some of the offensive group leaders uh, down there today. So d- what does that mean? Does that mean they're hanging on to Justin Fields? Or they're going to go ahead and uh, bring in a new regime to take over for Caleb Williams, trade away Justin Fields. But what does that say about keeping the head coach, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater? So we'll get into all of that when we come back. But I still want your your calls and opinions on all of this stuff. Stay right where you're at. Don't go anywhere. Brad Spielberger is going to join us. That is coming up next. I was out here yesterday and had a wonderful meal. And I love the beer cheese soup. Uh, I love uh, the, well, the cold beverages, but love the beer cheese soup that uh, Buffalo Chicken Sandwich was fantastic at Buzzard Billy's. Loved it on Pearl Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Saw David from the Starlight Lounge when I walked in there yesterday, too. So good to see him and say hello. But uh, that 1860s Brick Hotel, beautiful building, just old, eclectic. I love it. That's Buzzard Billy's on Pearl Street in La Crosse and the Starlight Lounge upstairs. You cannot go wrong. Coming up next, we'll talk with Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. Right Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. Excited. Packers are in the postseason, something we didn't think they're going to be able to do. And lo and behold, here we are. Packers back in the practice field today, getting ready to take on the Dallas Cowboys down in Big D and Jerry World this weekend. 3.30 is the kickoff. Don't forget we have the watch party at Nice Ash. We're going to be there with the Green and Gold postgame show coming up immediately following. In the meantime, uh, down in Chicago, uh, they have got uh, offensive issues. They let go of Luke Getze, their offensive coordinator, some of the other uh, offensive coaches. Uh, I don't know what this means for their quarterback, but Matt Eberflus is sticking around to talk more about all of this. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus and OverTheCap.com, joining us on the hotline. Brad, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great. How you doing? We're doing great. Uh, let, let me start with a team that uh, I told them. You root for them. Uh, you're your Bears fan. Um, give me your thoughts on what's going on down in Chicago and what direction you think they should go or what they are, are doing. Yeah, unfortunately, I am a Bears fan. Uh, you know, I think that the <laughs> – it's funny. A lot of people seem to be taking this as, okay, the Bears are blaming the offensive woes on Luke Getze, and therefore maybe they have faith in Justin Fields. They're going to find a, a new offensive coordinator to work better with his skill set, cater an offense to him. I see it almost almost the exact opposite way. I think the pitch you are now putting out there to any prospective offensive coordinator is, hey, we know it's not the greatest situation because you are walking into a team that kind of has a mandate to win. You know, they, they underwent a rebuild, but it's year three now for Foles and Eberflus. But you get to work with the number one overall pick in the draft class. Uh, you know, wh- whoever that person may be, Caleb Williams or Drake May, we'll work through that together. But if you, as you've seen in the NFL, have one good year with an early draft pick rookie at quarterback, you might be a head coach the following year. So that is how I perceive it. Um, and I think that is the correct way to go about it. The uh, Justin Fields saga, I, I you know, again, I, I look at it as they're bringing in a new offensive system. Does that mean that they are almost definitely – because if Eberflus is staying, 
Eberflus is a defensive guy, so it's not like you're keeping the same offense. To me, it would be like you're setting yourself up for Caleb Williams and that, indeed, you're going to trade away Justin Fields, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And obviously, you know, the interesting thing there, I mean, Jesse was fascinating. He comes in in 2022. They don't really cater the offense to Fields for the first, you know, six weeks of the season or so. They go into New England in prime time, and we finally see, you know, 8-12 to 12 design runs. You see a lot of boot action, half-field reads, RPOs, one-read-and-run type of concepts. Not saying it's all Justin Fields could do, but particularly at that time, with the talent they had on the roster, it made the most sense. So that works the rest of the time. They get to the – works is a relative term. They get to the offseason, and then the first month of this year, it's the same. Drop-back pass game, not moving the quarterback's platform, not design running him at all. And obviously injuries do happen, so and they happened again, but just just really not an offense that that, that plays to his you know flavor of football. So, yeah, I, I mean I think the new guy coming in, like I said, I, it's a tough sell to say, hey, you're going to come in for year four and offensive system three of Justin Fields, but arguably even you know more than offensive system three because there wasn't really a whole lot of continuity with Getty in the first place. So yeah, long answer short, I, I think it's just cleaner to start over, probably trade Fields and just start the whole offensive process from square one. Uh, what do you think Justin Fields is worth? And I, let me say this. I agree with you. I'm not sure. I, Caleb Williams is incredibly talented. I, I, I watch him play, and he's got all the, all the physical ability. I'm just worried about his mental state uh, between the, the emotional breakdown and the screaming and yelling on the sidelines, and then all of a sudden he is kind of like the, the, the head case, so to speak. I don't know if he's got the wherewithal to win in the NFL, but he's certainly got all the talent in the world, physical talent in the world. He does. He does. And, look, I know there are some question marks about, you know, some of the antics or whatnot. I shouldn't even you – know, antics might be too strong of a word. I've heard he's a guy that the teammates love, that coaches and staffers in the building love. Um, I've heard that, you know, firsthand and also plenty uh, secondhand as well. So, yeah, I, I get it. People are going to say, oh, well, he's in all these commercials and he cares not just about football, but also what being a, a quarterback brings with it. I, I get that. I hear it. Um, I think the talent is still undeniable. But I'll also say, look, Drake May, if that's the direction they go, I also think a guy with tier one, you know, skills that would warrant the number one overall pick in most classes too. I think both of these guys – are really special prospects. So I think Fields nets you a second-round pick. Um, it obviously depends, you know, how many suitors are there going to be. Everyone loves the idea of Atlanta, which still could make sense, but I do think Arthur Smith was part of why that made so much sense. Obviously, he's since been fired. But, you know, Las Vegas, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, you could kind of find a couple teams and say, here's what goes. But they're, they're not getting a first-round pick for Justin Fields. I think your best-case scenario – a second, maybe a day three pick, uh, you know, tacked on as well uh, is where I see that landing. So let's talk about the postseason. Uh, give me your thoughts. Let's talk Packers and, and Dallas Cowboys first and foremost. Uh, what kind of a, a chance do you give the Packers to go in and knock off Dallas? They definitely could. They, they certainly could. I mean, I think you, you – not to be funny here, I think there's a coaching advantage from a game management standpoint. Um, you know, I think Matt LaFleur really learned from – you know, obviously he gets made fun of a bunch – for the whole situation against Tampa, but you saw this year he won a game against the Saints because he went for two down eight. Uh, there's been other scenarios where you've seen him really key in on things like that, and that is going to matter even more come playoff time because on the flip side, we've seen McCarthy, you know, the QB scramble for Dallas a couple of years ago, just still kind of make those blunders 
in these one-score games with a lot of leverage and a lot of you know intensity. So that is a positive. I don't love the matchup from the standpoint of, so look, Jordan Love's awesome. He, he was great the second half of the year. A lot of the question marks I did have about him, particularly for us in the first half of the season, his downfield passing, and not just great. You can look at, you know, just, just traditional stats. Um, throws 20-plus yards downfield. It didn't look like he was particularly accurate. There were plenty of drops, of course, as well. But, but he was one of our lowest, you know, our least accurate passers. You look at the second half of the season, that totally flipped. I do think you now can make the argument, well, you know, were these rookie and second-year receivers maybe running the wrong routes or, or not running full speed or, or, or breaking routes off at, at, at the wrong depth? Like, it, it, it's a full process. And Love um, throws 20-plus yards downfield the second half of the season has a top-five passing grade for us. So he has been great. But against pressure is still his Achilles heel. When kept clean, he's awesome. When he is pressured, that is still when you can cause problems. And the Dallas Cowboys have a top-five pressure rate for us when not blitzing. They can get home with four as well as any team in the NFL. The uh, the wild card weekend, you've got the Browns on the road taking on the Texans, the Dolphins taking on the Chiefs. Now, we know the Chiefs are foundering. We know the Texans are a really good football team. It's a great story in what Joe Flacco is doing for Cleveland. It's a, it's a great story what the Dolphins are going to be able to do, but they're going to be playing in sub-freezing temperatures uh, in Kansas City this weekend. Who has an edge coming up on Saturday night? Yeah, you know, uh, Cleveland, to me, um, is not a good matchup. I love C.J. Stroud. I think he had one of the better rookie seasons for a quarterback of all time. Against Indy, it's a great matchup. They played uh, some of the most zone in the entire NFL. C.J. Stroud has the third-best passing grade for us against zone. And it's also not just Stroud, but this, you know, West Coast Bobby Slowick offense. He's the O.C. He's from the Shanahan tree. I know we've all heard too much about it, but – you know, you know, they attack the seams, they attack the flats, they do a lot of things that work against a lot of these zone coverages. The Browns play man as much as any team in the NFL, and they also, kind of just like Jordan Love, Stroud's weakness still right now, and I know it applies to every quarterback, but it's exacerbated a bit more. Against pressure, he still, can, you can cause some problems with C.J. Stroud. So, the Browns' defensive line is as good as anyone's, but in particular, they're going to play physical on these receivers, they're going to get up in Nico Collins' face, not let him do what he did to the Colts, I think the Browns have a good edge in that game. Uh, I I think the Dolphins are by far the most talented team in the AFC. I just don't know what that speed and what that talent and what that pass-catching capability is going to be when it's, uh, I think, a high of only, what, one degree with a wind chill of negative uh, nine coming up at Can- in Kansas City? <laughs> Certainly does not blend with what they love to do. And then the second piece for me is uh, I think one of the more telling quotes of the year was from Tyree Kill himself, I think it was on his podcast, where he talked about, you know, look, their offense is obviously so revolutionary with all the pre-snap motion they do, but the biggest piece of it is the timing and being able to communicate. And he talked about playing at home when it's quiet when they're on the field versus playing on the road. And the Chiefs, you know, fans are as loud as any stadium in the NFL. And I think that's just going to disrupt what they're trying to do from a communication standpoint. And then... We saw these teams play each other in Germany. And what, what the Chiefs are going to do, which they did in this game, they're going to press Tyreek Hill at the line, and they're going to bump him. And they're going to not let him you know, create quick separation, you know, break off these long games after the catch. They're going to disrupt him off his route. So I agree with you. I love their talent. But last piece, I mean, the injuries. Jalen Waddle's not going to be 100% healthy. He's obviously the number two. Those two guys account for a higher target share than any one-two punch receiver core in the entire NFL 
save for one other team. Um, and, and then the defense, you know, is obviously decimated with injury now as well. If I have to look at a home team that's going to lose this weekend, uh, a lot of people pointing at the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions get a 12-win season. Their defense has looked better. I mean, they're certainly a, a blue-collar type of smash-you-in-the-mouth type of team. But here comes Matthew Stafford and the Rams into the Dome coming up on uh, on Sunday night. Give me your thoughts on that contest because if, if there's a, a home team that's ripe for a fall, that might be it. That is how I see it, too. Uh, I think that is the, the interesting upset pick there. I just don't love how this Lions defense matches up with the L.A. Rams. Look, Aiden Hutchinson had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. Became like the sixth player in PFF history to register 100 quarterback pressures in a season. Um, but he's kind of doing it by himself. I, I love Ali McNeil on the interior, but that's a you know really good run defender with pass rush upside. Um, and, and they are getting James Houston back, who was the rookie last year, who had a you know really really good year as a pass rusher. But he basically hasn't played this season, so. I think Matthew Stafford's going to have time in the pocket, and I do not like this secondary matching up with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and all the guys they have there. I mean, look, we both are not fans of, you know, we're both division rivals of Detroit, but when Matthew Stafford trots out in that, in that stadium, I feel like I'm going to have a tear in my eye. It's going to be incredible. Um, I, I unfortunately think Stafford's going to come in and play spoiler. And then real quick before I let you go, it's uh, Philadelphia is favored by three and a half going into Tampa Bay. But you talk about a team that is trending in the wrong direction at this time of year. It's got to be the Eagles. What kind of a chance do you give the Eagles to even win this game? Yeah, they are reeling. There's no question about it. I mean, you know, record-wise, but also just even when they were winning, this, I think, was foreseeable. They're one of the worst point differentials for a 10-1 and team um, in NFL history. Some of the more advanced data points are similar things, just not quite as efficient as the record indicated. All of that said, I think we have to stick with preseason prize. I know the Bucks had a good December. They closed out the year with nine points against Carolina, um, and they didn't play well the week before either. I'm now, of course, blanking on who they played, but they did not play well in that game either. So they are the winner of the worst division in football. I, I think Philly, with all these veteran leaders, I know there's turmoil. I know Jalen Hurts is, is dinged up. I know A.T. Brown is dinged up. Baker Mayfield is as well for Tampa. I just think you get Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and all these guys, and they say, you know, also Darius Slay comes back at corner, and they say, look, it's been tough, but this is a veteran-led team. This could be our last rodeo. We're not going to lose in round one of the playoffs. I actually like Philly to figure things out. I would would assume they do, but, man, uh, that team has just looked like they're just searching for answers. It was the Saints. The Saints they ended up losing to that 23-13 game. Uh, at home, as a matter of fact. The Saints went down to Tampa Bay and knocked them off. Brad, it's always a pleasure, buddy. I appreciate your time. Thanks for giving us a spin. Best of luck to you. Now, real quick, do you, you, so you think that uh, it's Caleb Williams coming into Chicago, they're going to trade away Justin Fields, Eberflus is going to stay, and they're going to find a new offensive coordinator to uh, run Caleb Williams? That, that is my expectation. I guess Drake okay. may too, but the, the main guess is uh, I do think it will be a pick at 1.01 for a new quarterback. There you go. Good stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. There you go. That's Brad Spielberger joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Love to talk to him and kind of pick his brain. And you can get uh, him at Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Brad or OverTheCap.com. He deals a lot with the cap stuff as well. So uh, some good stuff there from Brad Spielberger. Coming up after the top of the hour, Mark Schofield from SB Nation. We're going to continue to run around the rest of the National Football League, and we'll talk with him about everything he's seen. So we'll get into that discussion coming up here in just a bit. Hey, I hope that you're okay. 
But I know that there were a lot of people that were cruising around out there yesterday that were spinning off the road. There were some accidents, fender benders, you name it. And if you were one of them and you want to get a hold of somebody that's going to do some quality collision repair, it is our friends at One Collision County Line. One Collision County Line. If you need any kind of auto body repair, they're the people to do it. One Collision County Line, Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Call them 262-251-1700. 262-251-1700. They worked on my vehicle this summer. Did a an, an amazing job, both inside and out. I mean, when I got the car back, it was like it just rolled off the uh, the showroom, right out of the showroom. It was amazing and immaculate. Again, One Collision County Line, Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. 262-251-1700. 262-251-1700. Seventeen hundred, and uh, they will take care of you the same way they took care of me. And the best part about it is, they get a hold of you via text every step of the way. The car's in bodywork, the car's in paint, the car needs an extra day to dry, whatever it happens to be. They'll let you know, and they'll tell you this is when you can come and get it. One Collision County Line in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Two six two two five one seventeen hundred. Tell them we covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I know the uh, the holiday season, when it comes to gift giving, is uh, passed us by. But uh, that doesn't mean you can't be thinking about springtime and Valentine's Day right around the corner. I hate to say it, but it is. And if you're going to think about jewelry, that's the place to go is Kane & Kane Jewelers in West Bend. And it's worth the drive, wholeheartedly worth the drive. Go to Kane, K-O-E-H-N, KaneJewelry.com. But you got to go to the showroom. you got to go in and check it out and just see everything that they have to offer, whether it's engagement rings, anniversary rings, wedding rings, wedding bands, pendants, earrings, you name it. They've got something for everybody. Uh, and they have a lot of the different charms as well that you can go pick up there. But uh, Kane and Kane Jewelers, they want to rock your world. They're in West Bend, Wisconsin. And I can't speak highly enough of Andy Kane and his wife Jen and everything that they do. But they're just great people. And he has a uh, podcast called Buy Like a Guy, B-U-Y, Buy Like a Guy podcast when it comes to jewelry. But they do a lot of different stuff, too. They do everything from bourbon tastings, whiskey tastings, different, uh, you know, just life stuff. And uh, parental stuff. So if you want to get a hold of them, go to KaneJewelry.com or just stop in. But it is worth the drive to West Bend, Wisconsin. That is Kane and Kane Jewelers in West Bend. And as they say, they want to rock your world. Good stuff. Um, wanted, wanted to bring this up to you. The Packers this year, every time they were favored, Grant, you and I were kind of picking the Packers. And uh, it turned out a lot of the rest of the world uh, was doing the same. They were 2-3. and three. Uh, against the spread when they were favorites, two and three on the season. They were seven and five on the season when they were underdogs. Just an FYI. So when you and I kept thinking, remember we had uh, there was a couple of times we picked the Packers to win and we we're like they should win this game, and then they wouldn't, and then the games that they weren't favored in, they were seven and five on the season. This team had us chasing our tail a lot of the yeah. year. Like I remember when they were three and six losses to the Broncos and the Raiders. Mm -hmm. This sucks. And people are asking, they might not win another game this year. And then they go on and, you know, win four or five in a row. Uh, And then they lost a couple in a row. So I I guess that's just a young, unpredictable team. Made the season fun and interesting. I'll say that. Yep. Did not have a push all season long when it comes to the betting numbers. But uh, they were better against the spread when they were underdogs. 
So they were keeping things close. That's for sure. They weren't uh, giving up a ton when they were losing because, remember, they weren't playing complimentary football, but the defense wasn't the problem at the time. But uh, they were 2-3 and three when they were favorites when it came to the spread, and they were 7-5 uh, and five when, they were fa- or when they were underdogs this season. Uh, just a few of the numbers coming out from our friends in Vegas at betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. We're going to see uh, Jimmy Shapiro and all those guys out there at Super Bowl when we go to Vegas this year. Two hours down, two hours yet to go live in lacrosse where tonight we got the Bill Michaels huddle coming up. Stay right where you're at. We'll be back coming up right after this.